On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, what's another word for shenanigan? We officially changed Pastor Ben's pronouns to your royal majesty, and I'm glad you can't lose your salvation because this episode would pretty much do it for us. It's episode 16. Turn it up! Welcome to Hungry for Wisdom. This is the podcast for people who want to know what God knows. He hasn't told us everything, but man, he has told us a lot. I'm Dustin, pastor at Grace and Truth. If you want to know what God knows, let's dig in. Let's see where it goes. Episode 16 is dedicated to Noah Webster, the original author of Webster's Dictionary. The 1828 edition, still available, by the way. You can go and get that thing. It's fascinating to read some of those definitions because, you know, language shifts over time generally. Anyway, it's just natural over the long, uh, the long period of time. But, you know, these days, language shifts really quickly because it's like a conspiracy to have words mean absolutely nothing so that you can't tell anybody they're wrong about anything. So Noah Webster, the gold standard of men who had the guts to put definitions of words on paper and say, this word means this. It does not mean that. You, sir, are a quasi-modern-day apostle, minus the apostle part. Let's get into some Proverbs, shall we? Here we go. Maybe I know what she's saying. Here, hold up. That that lady's voice. Here we go. Wait for it. It's coming. I bet she's saying, yes, we. Because I'm always like, hey, let's get into some Proverbs, shall we? And I think she's saying, yes, we shall. But she just didn't make it. I think she was that. I'll take that. She's answering me. Yeah. All right. Pastor Ben, the bearded beaver. How are you, my friend? I am doing well, sir. And yourself? I'm super happy to hear that. I know you're doing well because this is the third episode today that we've recorded. We've spent a lot of time together. (laughs) Yes, we have. People only get these once a week. We get them all at once. Producer Tim. How you doing, buddy? Quoting many others better than I deserve. Indeed. Indeed. Proverbs 3, 19. Reads thusly, the Lord, or Yahweh by name. By wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Interesting thought, and I don't really have anything for you to put into action in your day-to-day life on this one, but I'm I'm just saying that like it's cool to think about God using a guide in order to do what he does, which seems a little bit heretical. Like, no, God is self-referential. He is beholden to nothing outside of himself. Except what's interesting is the wisdom is of himself. And so it's like, well, what what is the what is the direction that God wanted to take creation? Because it's clearly not haphazard. It's clearly not random. And so what were the guiding principles by which he operated? And Proverbs 3.19 says the guiding principle was wisdom. Well, okay, what what's wisdom? Where does wisdom come from? Well, it turns out that comes from God as well. Ephesians 1 puts it this way. He works all things according to the counsel of his will, which means that God does not break any rules. Where'd the rules come from? They came from God. So God does what God wants, and God follows God's rules, and God never breaks God's rules. And if he did break God's rules, then they would be the new rules because God is God. Wisdom is a rule of God. It's interesting to note that this is stated in such a way that God even holds himself to the standard of wisdom. Now, I don't want to make this sound, I don't want to make it sound like God is underneath something called wisdom because even wisdom is God. We see. And in fact, we bring it up on this podcast a lot that in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 30, for example, and then 23 and 24 before that, that Jesus Christ himself is the wisdom of God. 
And so Jesus being God himself is the wisdom of God himself, and all of this stuff is contained within the Trinity. But it's just a worthwhile uh, thought experiment to go down the line and say, wow, God does not do things randomly. God is God does all things decently and in order, and that order by which he operates has a name, and the name is wisdom. So how kind is God to share his standard with us, to share his mode of operation with us? And he puts it in the book of Proverbs and many other places in the Bible, and he says, now you can do things in a manner like God. It doesn't mean that we are able to do everything that God does. It doesn't mean that we have the same options available to us as he does because we don't have the same power that he does. But he actually lays out his methodology for stuff for us. He works according to wisdom, and he gives us wisdom according to which we may work. So it's a short devotional thought today, but God has shared his methodology with you and how kind of him, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. How cool would it be if we spent our lives working all things according to the counsel of God's will? Sounds to me like a life worth uh, worth living, something worth shooting for. Can I get an amen, boys? Amen. No? Uh, no, that's cool. Amen. You don't want to amen? That's fine. No, I'm good with that. I'll just sit over here and amen myself. Amen. You hear this? Amen. L- listen up. This is what this is. That's me high-fiving myself. Since none of you guys would do it, I feel rejected. Oh, amen. Busting out your little tiny violin there. Does somebody need a hug? Yeah, I, I do. Vitamin H. <laughs> Vitamin H in, in the studio here. All right, so we're jumping straight into the pastoral questions, which that's what the this is and that's are. Today we got some pastoral questions. The first question actually comes from a listener named me. Um, what are other words for shenanigans? Because I'm always hearing, in fact, I even put it in the trailer for this show that, uh, you know, we, we've got cultural analysis, we've got you know, Proverbs devotions and so on and general shenanigans. But what are some other words? I got shenanigans and tomfoolery. Pastor Ben, help us out. Okay, so antics. Oh, I can go with that. Capers. <laughs> you know you know where I learned the word caper? From Tupac. What? Yeah, the song hit him up. Wow. Yeah. Don't listen to it. It's filthy. Go ahead. Frolicsomeness. <laughs> Frolicsomeness? Just, that's too leprechaun-y. I can't go with that. Yeah, I have visions of uh, of running around in a field with flowers. I'm yeah. just not into that. And Lanerhosen, for some reason, is in my vision. I'm not <laughs> sure why. <laughs> Singing the fields are alive. The yeah. hills are alive with the sound of music, right? Um, we have gag. Uh-huh. Okay. Horseplay. Shenanigans. Horseplay. Gag. Yep. Misbehavior. Fro- what was it? What was the the other the the funny one up there? The second one you read? Frolicsomeness. Frolicsomeness. Got it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, misbehavior, misbehavior. Mm-hmm. mischievousness. I can roll with that. Naughtiness. Just how many of these are there exactly? There's a lot. Really? Yep. Give me the top five more. Uh, let's see here. Nonsense. Mm-hmm. Pranks. I would hope this isn't nonsense. We're talking Bible most of the time. Yeah. Trouble. Yeah. Fair enough. Vandalism. <laughs> intellectual vandalism welcome to hungry for wisdom and then there's a few others here we'll just just and for honorable mentions dirty tricks mm. fooling around funny business hanky panky no 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 there's none of that going on in this studio hijinks yeah horsing around in monkey business yeah okay so I, i've never seen shenanigans as a negative thing but a lot of those are pretty negative yeah, I think shenanigans is probably the, uh, I think it's probably morphed. I think it's meaning. Yeah. I think it's probably morphed into something a little bit more uh, 
playful and light. So monkey business would be a good one. Horseplay. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like it's not frolicsomeness. Fro- it's that's that's it. I could have just said it's frolicsomeness. For questions to the pastors, I'm just just shuffling papers here. No big deal. Sorry. Dexterity is not a thing. Um, I don't know. We got a few. Let's start out with that one. What do you say? Sounds great. All right. So from amazing listener Shannon. Yep. I have a question that might be addressed on the podcast. And indeed, now it will be. Amen. What do we do and what do we instruct our kids to do when people come to church or we see them in daily life and announce and they announce their pronouns, especially when it's clearly the opposite of that person's biological sex? Do we address them as they, them, if that's what they want? Do we refuse? Do we differentiate when they're visitors at a church, for example, versus maybe out in public? If this isn't a pos- if this isn't podcast material, please email me your thoughts. Well, Shannon, we are going to drop a podcast on this. Shannon, we don't have a survival instinct, so here we go. Now, the hashtag demonetized. <laughs> Probably. I mean, look, the, the fact is when you're getting into this this type of subject matter, you can't give the right answers for some of the people asking the, the questions. Like the woke mob, they will not be satisfied with any no. answers from disciples. So we're just like, I just want to say we're not, we're not intentionally offending people here, but, you know, here we go. Like, I mean, there's, some of this is just inevitable. All right, what do you guys think? Rock, paper, scissors? Boom. All right, do you, do you address somebody by their preferred pronouns? Well, I think I, I think you have to come at it with some convictions first, right? Um, am, is my is my attempt to address someone in as their pronouns? Um, what's my first my first conviction? My, honestly, one of my first convictions is I I'm, I got to find a way to get to the gospel with this person immediately. That's where I want to go. So um, so there's so there that's my my first my first route. Um, but uh, obviously the, the second one being equal and true is, is that biblical truth is important, right? Um, I have found it really interesting, uh, as we, as we've been going through this, I've been reading a couple different articles and one of the things that's interesting about pronouns is just the, um, the overemphasis of my own self declaration, almost like it is this huge, um, it's like this huge uh, uh, reductio ad absurdum, if, as you will, of of the fall. I get to make myself, I get to choose everything about myself, and I get to make myself a law unto myself, so therefore I can declare who I am, even if it argues against even where I am genetically. I just, that, that, that's, a, that's a huge... I think that's a big part of that. So yeah, I mean, to get theologically yeah. nerdy about it, you're saying that you know God creates, and if I'm my own God, I can create myself in my own image, however I want to. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, are you saying it's like I'm saying I am that I am? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, there you dang. go. Yeah. Now that would be some terrifying pronouns to like. Dude. I am. Yeah. Dude, Joel Osteen did it. He he wrote the book called The Power of I Am. He said, this is how you go through life. You just walk around and declare stuff about yourself, and then God's obligated to click his heels and obey. It's like, oh my gosh. Listen, wow. schmuck. 
God does not work for you. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing about just making reality whatever you want to speak into existence, you know, I mean, we slam the prosperity gospel a lot for that, but, you know, it's yeah. it's happening from a different angle here, yeah. you're saying. Yeah, and I think, but but I think, and, and again, you, you have to address this in a couple of different ways, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, so first of all, uh, how, how do we teach, how do we, how would we respond to somebody in the church, mm-hmm. somebody who comes in? Right, and maybe they've got the button that has this is these are my pronouns or something like that. Mm-hmm. How we respond to that? Yeah, you know, so Ephesians four uh, fifteen is a big deal to me. Right, you you got to speak the truth in love, and and both of those things are non negotiable. If if you lose one in favor of the other, you're no longer representing Christ with integrity. Um, it's for people like us. I mean, basically, we're we're biblical fundamentalists, which is to say that we believe what the Bible says without arguing with it. Now we seek to understand it and we can question the text and things like that, but not from a position of suspicion, but from a a position of submission. And so, um, you know, if like when the Bible says some stuff, we gotta, we gotta say that, but what's easy for us is to just say that and forget the love part, like the heart behind it, you know? And, and we can crush people. We can be Bible thumpers and we can't do that. Uh, Ephesians 4 15 just says, no, you speak the truth in Love now. Granted, this is it's it's talking about in the context of the church, but you know those there, there's a lot of uh, commands from Jesus and stuff like that, that that do expand that out. You love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Hey, that guy over there that disagrees with you and is a member of a different religion. He's your neighbor. Go help him and, and go show love to him. You know, and you always have to speak the truth. So I think that the the uh, the push, the bullying push, is don't say what you believe to be true. And for us. As Christians, as disciples of Christ, we just don't have that option, right? Because it's because God said some stuff, and we can't say different things, and we can't we can't say less than what God has said on a certain subject when asked about it. Now, we, that doesn't mean we have to quote the entire Bible every time we've got a question. But if God has spoken to something, and we we shave the edges off of that in order for it to be more palpable, what you're shaving off is the Word of God, and we don't have the authority to do that. So we do have to say what what He has said. We have to speak the truth, and we have to speak the truth in love. Now, how do you do that? when the truth that you're speaking is received as the definition of hatred by your audience, right? Like we can say things as Christians and say, I love you. So I'm telling you this. And they are told, Hey, if somebody hates you, here's what they're going to tell you. And it's what we're saying in love, but that's their hate language, right? So there, there is a certain amount of impasse here that we just have to expect and we can work against it and we can hedge our, you know, um, hedge our statements so that we can do what we can so that they don't come across as hateful but we can only do so much without compromising the message itself. And so we have to be, uh, like foundational principle, we have to be okay with the fact, or we have to accept the fact that we're going to be misunderstood, and sometimes intentionally so. People are just going to decide not to hear what we have to say, and we're going to be understood as and labeled as, you know, haters and bigots and, you know, whatever. Now, this isn't true, but truth isn't reigning supreme when somebody's denying biology right and so that's that's just the soup that we're swimming in here and so you got to be ready for some people to be mad at you if your goal is to make peace and have people walk away from that interaction agreeing with you then your goal is not the same as christ's goal in his interactions so we speak the truth in love and we got to be okay or at least accept wherever the chips fall with that right so that's a foundational principle you um niceness and a handshake at the end of the conversation is not the highest ethic. It is not the highest goal. It's great when it can happen. And if we can make that happen, we should. But that's not the ultimate goal. 
So you got to speak the truth, right? So back to the question then, do you, do you use somebody's preferred pronouns? Now, my, my approach on this, I mean, if you're talking directly to somebody, you don't need to use a pronoun, right? I don't need to say he when I'm talking directly to you, Pastor Ben, or Shannon, who wrote the question in. If I'm talking to you, I'm not going to use the word she because then I would be talking about somebody else. So there's kind of two different issues here. There's a name and then there's a pronoun. If, if Shannon asks me, hey, can you start referring to me as Carl? Well, that's a different question of, that's a different question than can you refer to me as a, as, as he, right? So I can skip the pronoun thing for a minute if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody. And if I'm talking to somebody, I'm, I'm going where you're going, Ben. Like, let's talk about Christ. Where, where are you at with Jesus, right? I don't, like, for a minute, and this is just my internal dialogue, I don't care right now how you self-identify. I don't care where you put yourself in the cultural milieu and what, what um, place you want to occupy in all of society. We'll get to that later. I want to know about your soul because that's going to live forever. How you define yourself in relation to the people around you, that's, that's only as temporary as you are, and you're going to die someday. So let, let's talk about your soul for a minute, and the pronoun issue does not, um, does not reign supreme in that conversation. Yeah, and I, you know, I want to, I want to preface this. I was thinking, I was thinking about how we conduct ourselves, right? And I think another one of the scriptures that can even bust into this is, is uh, from First Peter chapter three, right? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Okay, that's great. We always do that. I'm always going to go for the gospel, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that lies within you. I'm going to the gospel, yet do so with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So in other words, I'm, you know, we may make the joke about being a Bible thumper, but the intention of it is, look, I'm going to plainly put forth the truths of the gospel, Mm -hmm. and I want to do so in such a way that my presentation does not obfuscate I'll use that word. Does not, yes. yeah, does not, you know, cast some kind of weird, crazy, dark shadow over the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if I'm, if I'm like our, our, I don't even know, I want to say friends, the, you know, like those West, the Westboro Baptist guys, right? That yeah, they're not our know. friends. Yeah, they're not. You know, and so I'm not going to necessarily launch into some kind of, you know, anger-filled rhetoric when somebody says, "Hey, call me Carl." You know, and yeah. it's, it's like, no, well, tell you what, I mean, okay, Carl, for the sake of the argument, let. But so seriously, you'd go, you'd go with them on well, that. I would. What I would say is, I say so. Where for I, I might like in the in the in the intention of dr- directly starting a transition to where are you with the gospel mm-hmm. for the sake of argument? I say, okay, well, all right. Where are you then with the gospel? I mean, you're here. Like for example, if they're in church, it's like, hey, you came to you came to church. Were you looking for some hope? Because I am 100% ready to talk to you about my favorite subject in the entire world. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that I could be whole happy and not be, you know, and and be saved and be made righteous in the eye, in the eyes of God because of his work. I would go right there almost immediately. Now, if I say, okay, okay, Carl, I mean, it's a name, right? I'm, and Jesse is a gender neutral name. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, so, now, if they start getting into pronouns and stuff like that, I'd, I'd say, well, you know, the beautiful thing about actually talking to someone across the table is you're not addressing them in the third person exactly. pronouns. How are you with that? I would be interested in knowing. And what in do English, you we get think? to do that. Some exactly. languages, you can't. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. I'm just like, I would like to talk with you about that. Yeah, they don't what have do this problem so much in Israel. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, from from that perspective, I think that especially if I'm looking to clearly, kindly present the gospel, 
I'm going to go that route. Sure. I want to go that route. But and, there are also hard lines there as well. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if they, if they come to church and, and you know, they, um, you know, a, a man wants to walk into the women's bathroom. Certainly. The answer is no. Yeah. No, you I mean, can't do that. My daughters are in there. The answer is no. It's not, yeah. it's, I don't hate you. The answer is no. Yeah. You know, love I, you, bro. hundred percent agree. Yeah. So, well, and again, we're talking about discourse. We're not talking about letting some, you know, hey, I identify as a five-year-old boy. I should go to the kindergarten class. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. I I identify as that kindergarten class's protector right now. So the answer is no. (laughs) Rightly so. Yeah. And the, um, the, the interesting thing about all of that is, is the, the open door to the gospel that, that that actually gives you, it makes it a shorter leap to the gospel in some ways, because what we're talking about here is how, how somebody sees themselves and which opinions actually matter. And so when, like, a while ago, I mean, we're not at the point in the world where this happens every week yet, but it has happened a couple of times, right? And so a while ago, uh, I was I was out there talking to somebody. It was, you know, at a, well, I don't even say where it was. Um, but, you know, we just strike up a conversation, and I said, hey, by the way, my name's Dustin. How you doing? You know? And the person shared their name with me. I'm trying not to be specific, because it's just, it's a small town stuff gets around, right? shared their name with me and then gave me their pronouns. Right. And it was fascinating to me that it was just like, wow, uh, this person is talking identity right off the bat. And Christ has something to say about that. So I'm like, you know, this is my answer was, this is really interesting to me. Can I ask you why? Because I don't, you know, and, and it was first very standoffish. And the person was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't call me what I want you to call me. And my answer was, well, I'm not sure because I don't know what's behind that. I don't understand where this is coming from. Can you explain your worldview to me? And I'm telling you what, man, you get people talking and more often than not, they show you the on-ramp to the gospel. And we had a great Amen. conversation, you know? Yeah, okay. So opening up with with open-ended questions, I mean, first off, that's just human interaction 101, right? Like yeah. you make people feel understood, heard, valued, and so on. And not everybody is that cookie-cutter fire-breathing psycho that's just running around looking for somebody to label a bigot and to de-platform. Like, not everybody's like that. Most people actually want to converse. They want to they want to interact with humans. And so, yeah, you do get the, the people that are just, you know, way over the edge, and this is their their crusade. And, you you know, they're, they're going to have their thing, and they'll, they'll catch you up one way or the other. And it's like, there's, there's not really... I mean, it's pearls before swine at a certain point. But most people, if you just ask questions... We're in a place right now in our society, at least where we live, where those questions will be answered more often than not. And then you can engage them from there. So I'm not, I'm probably not a big, I guess I could say it this way. I'm not a big fan of the canned responses in these situations because people yeah. are individuals and I think it's better to treat them as such. I agree. Yeah. Completely. Listen. And I think the more, the, oh, go ahead. May I take you back to the card? The card said Shannon, yeah. with pronouns they, them. So your statement would be, Shannon, how are they or them with the gospel? That's what they would be asking for, right? Like, if you want to use the pronouns, they so it'd be Shannon. How are instead of how are you at the gospel? How are they them with the gospel? Well, and, no, I think I think you would be fine because that's gender neutral, right? Okay, yeah, but if if we were saying he or she, then we would have to go with they them, right? Okay, yeah, and again, you know, we're we're now that now again, this is kind of in the context of a church setting, right? You know, yeah. we're in some kind of ministry setting, right? Yeah. So, um, let's. Because I think there's other aspects of this question, right? So you've got not only in the church, we've got maybe in the public, mm-hmm. and then also in and how do we how do we teach our kids? Now I think that the third one's probably a little bit easier because we we can go that route. But how mm-hmm. how would, for example, we have a number of folks probably that work in in a 
um, you know, in the secular world. And that is becoming adopted, probably not so much here quickly as quickly yeah. as, for example, where I previously was living um, in the in the Bay Area of California, where all of a sudden you're being forced to, you know, declare your pronouns in your email signature or something like mm-hmm. that. Or um, I had uh, I had students that were required as part of their class to uh, adjust their Instagram or or Twitter profiles with their preferred pronouns. I mean, how do we? Yeah, you know, how do we help somebody who's working in that world? You know, is interacting with people not in a church context, um, and it, where, what what would we say to them? Yeah, well, first off, I mean, all of those situations are going to be very, very uh, detailed and specific as well. So it's it would be um, easy for us to give a broad spectrum answer here that uh, would actually be counterproductive in people's specific situations based on what their HR department is telling them they have to do and so on. So, boy, there were like nineteen pronouns in that sentence i just uh i never realized that until just now anyhow um so i i think the first we have to frame the question and the the question framed from the world's point of view is what do i do and how do we make it well and this isn't what shannon is saying but what do i do and and how do i um make it through these situations and be okay right um the biblical question there is are you okay with suffering for speaking truth and we got to get that answered first, right? Because what if, just thought experiment, what if the answer is there is no way to make this okay? And in some contexts, that's the case. They're just Christian hunting. They're, it's, it's, it's a witch hunt, and they're looking for you to say something that is not affirming to them, and they will, they will eat you alive in public as soon as they find an opportunity. There are people out there that will do that. I don't think that's everybody. I don't think that's every transgender. I don't think that's every homosexual. But that, that's the vocal minority, right? Those are the, the thought leaders there. And if you run into one of those guys... And, or they're, they're in a position of authority over you, are you ready to suffer in order to hold fast to that which Christ has said? And the answer to that has to be yes, because if the answer to that is no, then the rest of the answers don't matter here, right? We need to be having a whole different conversation. Yeah. So first off, you speak what's true, you speak it in love, and you are ready to suffer the consequences if necessary. Now, inside of that then, with that, with that question being framed, how can I do this in the most loving and truthful way possible, then... The I, I lost track of the question here. If if they say in your workplace you have to do this, then what do we say? I'd say in public, but you know we can, we can transition to the workplace. I mean, I think yeah, or school a, or yeah. or whatever. Well, you know, it's, this is just this isn't grace and truth policy. This is just me talking. Homeschool your kids. That's one solution as far as the school thing. Uh, in in the workplace, um, th- this actually isn't anything new, is it? I mean, as, as long as we've been alive and employable adults there's been we'll call it leftward pressure in the workplace i mean i'm from seattle you're from the the bay area you know not originally but yes not originally yeah yeah <laughs> you're you you came of age right and you did most of your working life there and things like that raised a family there and you know there has been that leftward pressure to not you know um, to, to affirm things that the bible says we may not affirm so th- this is really nothing new Sometimes we could skate through it and avoid it and whatever, but I think the, the answer to this is just plan A Christianity. I mean, it was answered 2,000 years ago, right? You, you, will not, you, you will not get me to deny something that Christ has affirmed or that, that, that the Bible has affirmed. Ipso facto, we got to have our, our noses in the Bible regularly to know what God would say to these things. Amen. I think, I think some of the clearest things, even in Scripture, right, about what has Jesus affirmed. Um, you know, even when, um, in like, for example, Mark chapter 10, 
right? When the Pharisees come up to him and they say, hey, uh, you know, um, you know, he, he gives a teaching on divorce, and the Pharisees have said, okay, well, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And then Jesus answers them, did Moses command you? What did Moses command you? And then in verse 4 he says, Moses, the, they said, the Pharisees said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, um, he wrote you this commandment but, commandment, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So, for example, there are some folks who say, well, Jesus Jesus didn't really, you know, get into this, into the weeds here. No, mm-hmm. Jesus was pretty clear here. He said they made, God made them male and female. And if we believe Jesus is God, if we believe, I mean, everything that we've been talking about over the last several different podcasts, if we believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said, God made them male and female. And then, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. Jesus is doing an awful lot there. He's affirming gender roles. Uh, well, he's he's affirming genders. He's also affirming, you know, heterosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. He's there's a number of things that are going on. And so, for us to say simply, look, I I believe the Bible is true. I think when Jesus says in the beginning he made them male and female, I believe that. And to not you know to to not try to do so in such a way that that you're you're being overly jerkish, right? You're sharing the truth in love. Yeah. So I, I, I firmly believe this. And yeah. so I can't, I, I, I know of, of, a, of, a, of a dear sister who was very clear in, in some of her discussions with the human resources department at her work. Like, I will not use pronouns. I will refer to the person by their name. I will refer to the person to the second person. I will, I will not denigrate them, but I cannot affirm what is untrue. Right. I'm not going to be a hater, but yeah, I can't affirm what's untrue. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, a, and, and the problem is of course, again, like you said, there's folks that are just going to use that. Sure. Right. They're looking for the opportunity and there's other folks where, okay, you, and, and they're just going to react to that. I, I think that honestly, if you sit down and talk with somebody, I like what you had mentioned before. Let's have a civilized conversation about yeah. this. And, Help me understand what's going on. And that works a shocking amount of the time. Totally. Right? Or percentage of the yeah. time. If you're if you're trying to plant a flag just to be just to, you know, I don't know, to react because you saw too much stuff on Twitter, okay, that's a problem. Yeah. Right? That's instead it's like, well, let's let's dig in and, and when the person let's dig into this person and what's going on and hey, I want to. I want to hear what what's going on here. I think the know? first goal, a lot of times, yeah. is clarity. Like, yeah. hey, we clearly don't agree on stuff. Let's see if we can get clarity on where the actual point of disagreement yeah. is. Because it's not that I don't value you as an individual and I deny your personhood. Like that's that's a talking point. That's that's bullcrap. Get that out of here. That yeah. you know. Um, let, let's actually relate as people. What what do you believe? Mm-hmm. And then the following areas, and I'd be happy to tell you what I believe too. So let's just get some clarity. And man, so often. People can shake hands having disagreements, right? Yes. And that's that's great, too, because then if you get follow-up conversations, then good. Now, again, just to be clear, that piece is desirable. It's not worth sacrificing the truth for. Yeah. But, man, if you could go for that, awesome. Yeah. And I think it's also good to, um, you know, shifting gears a little bit, to to do some research about about um, the natural implications of people's worldview. And so you can, like, here, here's something that's, that's just, you know, endlessly true. You can talk to people that are in lifestyles that God says is harmful to them and result in in death. And, you know, Romans 1 says results in all kinds of STDs and diseases and things like that. You can talk to these people with a great degree of compassion, even knowing that they're rebelling against a holy God and, you know, um, and bringing 
judgment on themselves. And such were some of us, right? So we can relate to them in one way. In another way, you do some research and see where these lifestyles end. You look at the suicide rate in the transgender community. It's insane, man. You look at the the uh, disease rate, the suffering rate, and things like that in the homosexual community. Like, and, and there's a point where it's just like, I want better for you than that, right? And and dude, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody who is, you know, in a long-term homosexual relationship, and, uh, you know, I'm like, if, if they convert and they, they you know, like, change, they do a Rosaria Butterfield thing and change their entire life and start following Christ, that's great. I'm happy for them. If they don't, my life doesn't change at all, Right. I, I go home, I see my family, I eat a sandwich, I go to bed, I wake up the next day. Like, there's nothing in it for me, but I actually want better for these people. And when you when you see the wisdom of God in how he has prescribed human behavior and relationships and identity and, and sexuality and these things, it's so desirable and the, the, the deviations from that are so devastating that it's just like that, if we do some research on that, then you will be able to approach people with compassion rather than condemnation, right? Now, we need to condemn the sin that God condemns, but you can condemn sin while offering a person salvation. The person that shared the gospel with me did it, right? There's a book put out by a group called Mass Resistance, which Mass stands for Massachusetts. And it was basically, my understanding is, a bunch of doctors in Massachusetts that were just like, look, we're tired of not being allowed to mention the side effects of um, the, the physical drawbacks to alternative sexual lifestyles so they put out a big fat book called the health hazard uh, the health hazards of homosexuality so i bought the book and i'm like okay good like, there's there's enough data now to actually put this in a book and i started reading the book and it was it was pretty gritty stuff like it's the kind of thing where you don't want to read straight through that you want to use it as a reference material because it's it's pretty gross um it's the stuff that happens to bodies and how degeneration happens and stuff with alternative sexual lifestyles but it's good to have that book just to say like, man, this is the path that a 16-year-old is on or that a 14-year-old is on when they start experimenting around with sexuality and with their bodies. And I, dude, I do not want that for them. I care about this kid, you know? So have some compassion and, and doing some research will help with that. As far as training our kids, we should probably hit that, yes. right? I want to teach my kids that suffering for Christ is worth it. Yeah. Right? So... Oh, kids are very black and white. They're not going to understand right away the whole truth and love thing. They're going to get it wrong sometimes. You got to be ready to, you know, correct gently. But I also want to tell them, like, look, guys, you're going into a world where I'm teaching you stuff that's probably going to get you fired at some point. I'm teaching you stuff that's going to make you lose friends. I'm teaching you stuff that might even get you thrown in jail at some point. This is normal, historic Christianity, and it's worth it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Watch yeah. by example. And I think that if we've got that as a foundational principle, we can yeah. build from there. Well, and I think that this is not something that the church is unaware of. I mean, the church was birthed in this kind of a thing. Yeah, man. You, know, you, you talk about what was going on in Rome at the time, the things that Paul is addressing, and uh, you know, in Romans one, the things. First that Corinthians six, yeah, yeah. So you, so as you start talking with this, this is not something. Oh no, this is a new thing that the church is struggling with. No, this is something that that has been part of life since the fall. Dude, I found out there was a. Uh, I forget what what cult it was, was whether it was the cult of Saturn or Mithras or whatever. Um, the, the priests, they would have an annual parade every year where they would get into drag and parade down the street, you know? And I was like, what? There were drag parades in ancient Rome? Yeah. Crazy. Nothing's so, new. There's nothing new. And, and again, that I think with, with an understanding that, you know, first of all, we're not of this world, yep. <laughs> right? We are people of the truth and we have gospel priorities, I think that as we as we drill these in to our children and even understand it, look, there, sometimes even with with our kids, we'll go, okay, yeah, 
there's a Romans one issue mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So if if you deny God, then then there's a whole trail. Yeah, right. And it's and and for some it's this trail. For some it's that trail. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a and but but it all ties back to the root. Right. That that root of denial of God. I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to decide for myself what I'm going to do. Whether it's with my sexuality or with my ethics or with with my behavior around. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to get me mine. Whatever it is. Right. And so you're saying no, that's not. But God didn't design us for that. He designed yeah. us to submit to Him. Right. And so I always want to bring it back to a gospel issue. And then as we talk about. The, the interaction with our culture it's like okay can we do so can we do these things in kindness and love okay fine but also we tell the truth you know what i think is interesting is that yeah. most people that i talk to um that are interested in or operating in a transgender ideology they also believe in some kind of higher power and so they don't they don't repudiate it when i talk about it right so the, the yeah. question of which i use all the time with people what do you what do you think god sees when he looks at you they probably won't say god right? They'll say, you know, whoever's out there or whatever, but I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to call him God. I'm going to use that word. You don't have to. What do you think God sees when he looks at you? And most of them will have an opinion about that because they think that there is some kind of higher power. And I mean, boom, there's the gospel, right? Like that, I mean, as far as an open door, there's an open door to the gospel. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a Mars Hill thing right there. This unknown power that you just talked about. Let me tell you about what, yeah. let me tell you about who he is. Yep. You know, he rose from the dead. And, yeah. yeah. So there's, so there's that. I think, uh, you know, again, the, the last thing I would want is, is to train our kids, for example, to, to just start to go into some kind of default works kind of a thing, right? That God's not going to be happy with you. No, God, God, the only reason God would ever be happy with you is because of Christ. Oh yeah. Right? You should yeah. repent because God's mad. So do better. Yes. Yeah. Which of course is always the drum that I want to beat you know don't 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 default to the do better try harder yep exactly we are desperately in need of christ and then giving them a law is not going to save them exactly all right so thanks shannon shannon awesome question you rock uh please uh ask more questions all right so sir full, full disclosure your answer to this was an answer to prayer and trying to sort out how to do this in terms of Answering with respect and turning it to a discussion of, you know, where are we? How are we different? Amen. It's so man. healthy. I want to underline that. Answer prayer. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Let's see if we can not screw it up from here. Okay. <laughs> it's not looking good, dude. No. Maybe we should just end it right there. <laughs> do we have, uh, so did we have any other questions? Or was... I think uh, I, oh. I threw a couple on there. That's right. Okay. Look at the paper, Ben. When... Okay. So. Yes. Guys, this represents a moment of personal victory for me. I just want to say that because because I'm I'm a kind of a fly by the seat of the pants sort of guy, and Ben's always like, "Hey, you know, if we put that on a piece of paper, then maybe things wouldn't be so chaotic around here." And I'm like, "Ah, who needs the paper? Whatever." And he's like, "Look at the piece of paper, Dustin. We put it on a piece of paper." So I just want to say, I want to I want to spike the ball here. Okay, this just happened, and it's it's on recording. Yes, it is on recording. Yeah, you want me to mute Tim? No, no. So you should do the boom. Oh yeah, that's right. Tim said touchdown, and you were doing that motion. I was like, you want me yeah. to too late. Green light. Boom. Boom. There we go. All right, that was my moment of celebration. Sorry. <laughs> love you, bro. All right. I love you, too. All right, so. <laughs> in, you said that with so much murder in your voice. That was like, I murder. Yeah. I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in 2020, oh, I you this. said Trump was the judgment on america bum, bum, bum. do you still hold to that this is directly at me isn't it probably yeah you weren't here in 2020 uh, so you can't take not here in 2020 can't take any blame for that yeah 
Yeah, look, um, thank you, Cornelius, for that question. Uh, I, I think that, um, yes. Now, here's the thing. There's there's basically two Donald Trumps, right? As far as, like, how, how do we analyze what God did? I mean, well, I should back up. We start from the standpoint of the book of Daniel. God is in charge of everything, even geopolitics, and he deposes kings and kingdoms when he wants to. Um, he appoints kings and everybody that gets elected in America. It's because God decided that that's what was going to happen, right? So, yes, elections do have consequences, as Obama said. And, yes, people really do make actual decisions, assuming that the electoral process is, you know, functioning and things like that. Like, those are very real decisions. And yet God's sovereignty rules over all of that stuff. So whoever ends up being the president, that is that is God. And, and you know, Congress and Senate and all that. That is God's decision, and one of the ways that he judges a nation is by handing them over to the sin that they desire, right? Now, there's two ways of talking about Trump. That, I mean, and you have to because like, and it was confusing for me because my dad always taught me when I was growing up, never trust a man that doesn't treat his wife well because he doesn't know what's most important and he may be good at business or whatever, but he'll screw you over in a second if he's not even loyal to his wife and he doesn't treat her well. So no matter what he can do for you, never trust a man that doesn't treat his wife well. And I'm like, okay, dad, okay. So when Trump was running and he had all these policies that, I mean, frankly, this isn't a grace and truth position. This is just me. I'm pretty much a conservative dude, right? I'm like, all right, individual responsibility. Don't spend more than you bring in, you know, things like that. And I'm, I'm big on like foreign policy. I, I like having a strong military as a deterrent. Like those are just some political things that I'm sort of, you know, that I'm, that I value. And he, so he was speaking that language, but because he didn't treat his wives well, and you know, and I didn't see healthy stuff with Melania either. I'm looking at their body language and stuff. And I'm like, man, if they came into church, I'd be like, guys, do you need help? <laughs> you know? So I didn't trust him. I didn't think he was going to follow through on anything because, you know, I, I thought he was playing to a base and I thought he was trying to get elected. Um, you know, and that's the only reason he was saying this stuff because he didn't treat his wives well, as that sentence clearly demonstrates. But then he followed through on a bunch of stuff and I'm like, well, snap. So there were things that I considered to be politically and economically advantageous. Well, and I mean, economically, yeah, the policies were advantageous. That's not, that's not really a debate point. That's just the charts, right? That was the numbers. So now what do you do with this? You've got a guy who doesn't treat his wives well, and yet he followed through at great personal cost to himself on what he said he was going to do. Huh. What you, and, and, and America economically, at least if you just want to look at that benefited from that. So, it would look like if you're looking at economics or, or national security or things like that, that God blessed the country through that administration. So I said that he was a judgment on the U.S. Here's the thing. I would still hold to that in moral terms, maybe not in economic or, or military terms. You could say that we caught a break there um, because, you know, the, the alternative there, I mean, if you look at what Hillary was planning on doing, it looks a lot like the Biden administration, which economically, whatever side of the spectrum you fall on, it's not good. Militarily, whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, it's, you know, we're taking a hit. It's pretty rough. So, um, you know, but in moral terms, the fact that there wasn't anybody with biblical values that could advance those policies is a judgment on us, right? The fact that we had to look to somebody who was openly and braggadociously immoral and who flaunted his activities against God's law in order to accomplish these things. I think we have to deal with that as, look, you, he was the only person that we would apparently accept this from, right? And so that is, that's a, a commentary 
on the morals of our society, which means that whatever the political advantages are for a number of years, whatever the economic advantages are for a number of years, however many more people get jobs, the problem of a rotting soul has not been addressed. And, you know, look, no, you know, no shade on Trump for this. I mean, honestly, a politician cannot solve a spiritual problem. He just can't, you know. We, what we need is is revival, and what we need is for God to breathe life into our, our theologically and, and philosophically rotted um, cultural mores. And no president's going to do that. That's not his job. That's not what he's there for. And so when, when, we had, uh, when we had immorality bring us things that were economically advantageous to us, that doesn't erase the immorality. So I'm thankful. I'm, I'm thankful that, like, for example, the Supreme Court justices that got put on there, that just overturned uh, Roe versus Wade and kicked abortion back to the states. That's huge progress. It's not a done deal, but it's huge, huge progress. Well, we do have to, you know, if, if you're pro-life, even if you're on the left side of the political bell curve, you have to thank Trump for that. You just do, right? And history is complicated. So um, whatever the, the benefits of that have been, I think that we can't wash away the breaking of God's commands and the flaunting of the breaking of God's commands. It's Romans one thirty one. Not only do they commit these things, but they give hearty, uh, hearty approval to those who practice them. I think that's verse 31. It's the last verse in Romans 1. And so, yeah, we got to deal with that. And, and God decided to allow our moral degeneration to continue, even while giving us an economic boost. But yes, there is an element of judgment in there where we're being handed over to our sin. Long rambling answer. I rest my case. Abraham Accords. Shoelaces and peanuts. The, Abra- we, the Abraham Accords. What are we talking about? In terms of Trump and the only person who could ever pull that off. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. You, you're talking about the uh, the thing that happened over there with the treaty in um, Israel. Yeah, and Yeah. Breaking new ground with it, with Israel and their neighbors. Well, sure, yeah. So there's there's a lot of advantages to, to bring up there. You could also, you know, go back into any administration and say this happened that was good, that happened that was good, and so on. My thing is as a pastor, I got to tell people, and this is to, so I've, I've told you guys my political opinions on some stuff now. Let me just take off my citizen hat for a second and put, put my pastor hat firmly on. We cannot sacrifice our prophetic voice. And the prophetic voice is that which says what God has said. And when God says something is evil, even if we're gaining a benefit from it, we have to say that it's evil. We just have to. Otherwise, we're compromising our integrity and our witness. So yeah, to, to answer the question, I would hold to it that Trump was a judgment on the U.S., but I was surprised at how gracious God was to our society in the middle of those years. Well, and I think you even have some, uh, I, I always thought like you had some, even some biblical precedent this for this, even for example, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, right? Mm-hmm. You had, Nebuch- nobody would say Nebuchadnezzar was a God-honoring king. No, but I think he got saved yeah. there at the end. Yeah, but I, dude, that, that prayer that he makes at the end after eating grass like Kablooey. a cow for a while, oh, totally. I mean, I, I'd be like, man, that's really hard. But no one, no one would say, okay, um, what I'm getting at is, is that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is a leader, he is not, um, I guess, I, guess mm, I gotta be really careful here because I don't want to step on a ton of toes. I, one of the, one of the things that I, yes, I found you it, do. Yeah, I don't want to step on a ton of toes. <laughs> um, I think that, it, man, I'm not going to do this well. So go ahead. Well, let's take Cyrus there. for yeah. example, right? Because I, I heard, yeah. I heard this a lot yeah. when, uh, when Trump was running. Well, he's, yeah, I know he's not, you know, he's not a, a pastor, but he's our Cyrus. Right. And man, I used to get so annoyed with that. It's like, well, okay, but Cyrus was a pagan. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, do we have to whitewash everything because there's an, a, a, yeah. uh, an economic advantage? I think that's what I'm getting at is that we, we but also we, we, we call truth truth, right? You know, a lot of people, and including myself, and, you know, I could not in 2016 vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just couldn't do it. I just, I could not. You, were, I, you, you know, don't have to apologize to yeah. me, man. You're an American. I was, but I was also, like, I, I, I certainly couldn't vote for uh, Hillary, mm-hmm. right? And so it was, and, and, and thankfully, uh, thankfully, uh, okay, I, I was in a state where that really wouldn't matter. To right, me, honestly. You know? yeah. so, if, so, if, if you've got conservative values on the West yeah. Coast, you just vote your conscience because it doesn't count exactly. anyway. it's like yeah. a killer. But I, but the thing that, the thing that bothered me was, you know, and sometimes this happens. It, we we put so much weight on our political leaders, like they're going to save us mm-hmm. as a nation. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Hey, where, tr- where will I find a Messiah? Exactly. No, no. no. We have a Messiah. His name is yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He rose from the dead. He's actually sitting at the Father's right hand right now. Let's put our hope in Him. Let's Preach. not put our hope in in a, in a political leader. I don't care what you know what denomination he comes from or whatever. Like, I, I'm not going to put my hope in that. Yeah. Am I, am I going to try and do my best to make the wisest decision for who I think? would be better at leading the country at, you know if i'm given one of two options the lesser of two evils okay that's fine but the problem is i'm still voting for something that's evil but <laughs> but but in the same sense of like i can't put my hope in that and i think that's where some of the and I, honestly i think that's where our politics is almost in some ways a religion of today is that people are putting their hope mm-hmm. in some political solution and 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 something that yes isn't kind of out of the outside of themselves but it's like no you're you're but you're Put your hope in Christ. Yo, shout yeah. out Dustin Hall over at Kennewick Baptist. He he's got this great phrase that he tells his uh, his church. He says, "Every four years, you are going to to commit idolatry." And he says, "We're going to see it right here." So I was the music pastor there when uh, when it was during the uh, McCain Obama mm. thing, right? And so he said, um, "Was was that it?" Anyway, he was talking about Sarah Palin somehow. It might have been after the election, but um, she yeah, it was after the election, but she was still making news and saying a whole lot and getting a lot of attention and stuff. So um, he said, you guys are going to commit idolatry during this midterm election. That's what it was. And he said, and I know this because I'm going to talk to you guys and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Jesus and you're going to be like, mm-hmm, amen, Jesus. And then I'm going to mention Sarah Palin and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. And he said, you look at the disparity in yes. the passion in those statements. That's political idolatry. Totally. Yeah. All right, so we have made thoroughly people mad. Seriously, man. Totally we're fine. <laughs> but guess remember, your pastors do love you. <laughs> yeah. We're dancing an Irish jig in a minefield on this episode. Absolutely. I'm All even right. wearing the right color shirt for it. You are. Patrick. Bye, Patrick. All right, so um, question number three. How can Christians be angry and not sin? It's, this is easy. Just don't sin. Yeah, stop sinning. Keep the law. Yeah. God gave you a law. What's the problem? What's the breakdown? I don't get it. Yeah, stop sinning. Don't do it. Just yeah. stop. Next question. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, first of all, okay, so Ben, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to you on this because you are brilliant in how you explain this. So let, oh, me, geez. let me set this up and then you can exposit it a little bit. You talk a lot, and I'm going to butcher this. You talk a lot about the um, the the unbelief under the sin, right? Yeah. What's at the root of that? So 
Like for a second, let's forget about the the sin that we're seeing. That's the symptom. What's leading up to that? What are you not believing about the gospel? What are you not believing about Christ? What are you not believing about your identity or whatever? And so that that sin comes from somewhere. Boom, let's get at the heart, right? So before I kick it over to you, where I'm going with this is if you're angry, we first need to ask why you're angry. And that's where the first unrighteousness is going to be found. What's your motivation for doing what you're doing? And then the sin that results from your anger is going to be a symptom of that problem of either why you're angry or how you're angry or something. So how do you get at the heart in these situations? If I'm in the counseling room with you and I'm like, I can't stop sinning in the way that you're telling me to because I'm so angry. Well, yeah, and then I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to do exactly what the Lord did to Cain. Ooh. Right? I didn't see that coming. Because, well, honestly, this is where... Um, I was always so interested. I, I, you look at the first several stories of God's interaction with human beings, especially when they're struggling with sin, right? Adam and Eve, what's God do? He walks in the garden and he goes, where are you guys? You know, or, or, and, and, and he says, and he says, who told you? You know, he, in other words, there's a question, right? He's opening up a dialogue oh. with somebody versus just going, okay, that's it. I saw you eat the flipping fruit. You talked to the serpent. Yeah. I'm just, I'm nuking the planet. Right and I know now. you're hiding behind that fig tree. Come on, seriously? <laughs> you know, so so the Lord is, um, the Lord asks questions, right? He goes to Cain, why are you so downcast? Why are you so angry? Right? Um, and and then for for him to say, will you not, if you don't, if you don't do, I forget exactly, I'm going to butcher the, the, the translation, but will you not, um, Will not it go well for you, or, or if you do what is right? I forget mm-hmm. exactly how it is, but God, God goes right to Cain. He asks questions, right? So when someone says, "Okay, I'm so mad, I'm so angry," I'll be like, well, "What's making you angry?" Well, Mike, you know, and then you, and then you can go down, go down the road, go down the road of the a road of the reasons, and then, and for me, I'm jumping right into uh, James chapter four. What Dude, causes fights and quarrels? Let's role you? play it. You want to role play it? Oh gosh, you're gonna scare me. Here now. we go. All right, Ben. My my wife told me to come in here because I can't stop punching holes in the wall. Okay. I got like six holes in my wall, and she says, I, I need an outlet. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is, and she shouldn't be making me that mad, and I'm stressed at work and whatever, and now I'm punching holes in the wall, and she says, I need to come talk to you. Okay. So that's interesting. You've mentioned that you're, you're angry, you're punching holes in the wall, um, and you mentioned stressed at work. What's going on at work, man? My boss is a jerk. Making He's switching up his pronouns every day, and I got to keep up with that, and I don't, I don't understand. Work is stressful. I'm a man. This is live counseling where I'm going <laughs> to fail. So all of you guys that have a high opinion of me, you're going to see that is completely unfounded. Um, okay, so so you're stressed and you're and you're frustrated because because your boss is 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 a jerk, right? So so why, unpack that for me a little bit more. What what do you mean by that? Your boss is a jerk. I just don't like him. He doesn't do anything and he makes us do it all and then he says we're not doing enough. And so that's, you know, that's one thing. I can put up with that. But then I get home and my wife's like, do this, do that. I'm tired, right? She's all over me and I'm tired. Okay, so what what are you, what are you, what are you expecting? Uh, like a, a little bit of space, you know? Put my okay. feet up. Maybe watch a little bit of TV or something. Eat some dinner before, before the bombarding starts. So what... What would the space or putting the feet up? What would that do for you? What, how does that? How does that contribute to you? You know, getting gaining some kind of peace or something like that. How's that? It's it's just that she wouldn't be expecting me to perform all the time. I just want to. I just want home to be a place of rest once in a while. Okay, so you're so you're feeling that you need to perform all the time. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's what I'm getting from my boss, and then that's what I get when I get home. 
Okay, so and if we if we drill down into that just a little bit, if I can push on that, what happens if you don't perform? Uh, well, there's the obvious professional consequences, and then at home, um, the nagging's going to increase. Okay, but but I'm not talking about the outside consequence. I'm talking about what's happening inside. What happens inside you if you don't perform? That's a really good question. So I got to I got to think of an answer hypothetically now. Actually, no, I could just give my real answer to this. Like, okay, yeah, so Dustin's hat is back on now. I'm not role playing. <laughs> <laughs> now this is pastoral counseling. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> wow, this just got real. <laughs> Go easy, bro. <laughs> People are listening to this. Um so probably not anymore. Uh, so, okay, in, in all reality, if I, if I don't perform up to a certain standard or I don't get the job done or whatever, then, I mean, there's there, like the, the amount of, um, the, the amount of self-punch is, is pretty big, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot riding on me, right? I go home and people are looking to me for stuff. I come to the church, people are looking for me for stuff. It's a nature of leadership and I'm in a lot of leadership positions. And if I don't do my job, then there's negative consequences of that. I, I no, I can't live with that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, this is <laughs> now again, Ben putting the, putting Ben's hat on and just taking yeah. off the pastoral counseling aspect of it, it that, that boils down to identity, Right. What makes you okay? Who are who is Dustin or who is this guy that that if if it's all based on performance, then what are we not believing about? Uh, we're not believing that my life is hid with Christ. My identity is in Him, yes. and I, I am okay because His um His His sonship has covered me, and therefore God's opinion is that I'm okay. Yeah, and then you start. Because because if somewhere deep down we have this false belief about God's opinion of us, mm-hmm. or we have this false belief about what the gospel truly says about us, then when 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 we when we really start to see the fruit of that false belief, then it pokes out and you have mm. you have thorny reactions. So the way right? you can be angry and not sin then is you got to understand your anger, and you got to understand what what you have to deny in order to be angry in a sinful way yeah. and then go back to that. Yeah. Now, obviously this was, you know, <laughs> unscripted <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> somewhat, somewhat yeah. and, and, but, but really when it boils down to, it, it's like, what's causing these fights and quarrels among you, right? Is it not that you, you know, and, and gosh, I'm just going to, what causes fights and quarrels you desire and do not have. So you murder, you had this crazy inordinate desire for something, an expectation of peace in the home, and so what happens when that when that becomes an idol, becomes that thing that's going to make you feel whole again, mm-hmm. and that's robbed. All of a sudden, now it's a threat to your person. You know what I find in the counseling yeah. room too is that a lot of these situations yeah. where guys are they they feel nagged by their wife, it's not the level of activity that they're being asked to perform; it's that they feel underappreciated, which is a whole different kind of idolatry. If if a guy gets home and says exactly what I just said, I just want to relax a little bit. I'm tired. Yeah, but if he got home and his wife gave him a big hug and said, I'm so proud of you for how hard you work. Thank you so much for providing for our family. Could I have a little bit of help with the kids? He'd be Johnny on the spot. And it's because he got his ego stroked. Yeah. Right? So it's not the rest that he wants. It's the respect. Yeah. Or, and again, just going back to the beliefs, if he was, in fact, 
grateful. Hey, God, you provided me with this job, including with an employer who is uh, philosophically different from me. Gospel opportunities. Yeah. You've given me a job. I can feed my family. I step into a car that I'm either paying on or has been paid off. Yeah. And the you and know, 90% of the time it works. Yeah. And it's like, so in some ways it's like just boiling down to what do I, remembering what is really true. Yeah. And, and, and boiling that down. So how do I fight being angry and not sin? Now, there might be some things that I... First of all, the question is why. Why am I angry? Now, if it's, if it's over like, you know, um, sometimes, you know, anger is a protective emotion. It's yeah, designed definitely. for that. If someone comes after my kids, yeah, I'm going to get angry. And especially with men yeah. because ag- aggression is a tool that we use to accomplish our job in the world, right? So sometimes yeah. if we're feeling protective of ourselves, we'll meet that with anger in order to... Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's where you hear the common thing where, you know, well, it's not a sin to get angry. True. But, but the problem is, is that, A, we as broken human beings, as someone who have, we have a corrupted nature, right, uh, we are going to most likely hit that at some level. Hello? I think that's the third episode in a row where a phone call has come in. <laughs> Counseling 101, may I ask? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, we're all warmed no. up. What can we do for you? But we sit but we sit there and go, okay, why? And we get into that. And is there a gospel disbelief that's in there? Uh, and, and yeah, sometimes that has to be a bit of a of a discussion. Maybe in the car ride home, have that have that reaffirmation. You not uh, you know, and, and, and you're gonna get uh, insight into one of your pastor's hearts here. My huge thing, one of my struggles is the fear of man. I want someone to say, Good job, Ben. I really think that you did a great job with that, right? And and so I had to fight that because if I'm teaching something and all of a sudden I feel I it's somewhere at some level I'll feel like I didn't get enough of a attaboy. Mm-hmm. And it's like I have to go and I I I've literally memorized the Colossians Christ hymn because I want it all to be about Jesus. And so there are times where I'm literally screaming that verse at the top of my lungs, hope my kids aren't in the car at that point, just to remind myself about what what life is all about, and it's all about Jesus and not about someone else going. It's, it's all about somebody saying, no, Jesus is amazing, versus someone saying, wow, Ben, you taught that well, or you did that great in the counseling room, yeah. or you had that great lesson, or whatever. I don't care about that, and that's where, that's where. So you see that when we talk about how can Christians be angry and not sin, it's also going into that, okay? Finding those 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 scripture verses that might be helpful in addressing what what is that deep need, you know, mm-hmm. if it's okay, if it's that need for appreciation, you know, what, what, what is, what is it, what, where would I go to, to scripturally attack that maybe that false belief that I'm not appreciated enough? Well, and that's where I was going to go with it is, is Bible intake is a massive a, weapon against this because essentially, and we could summarize the whole thing like this. The way to be angry and not sin is to agree with God about the situation. Mm-hmm. Because if he's angry, then you get to be angry and he's not sinning. So you're fine. And if he's not angry about the situation, then he knows something that you don't yeah. or that you, so what does the Bible say? You know, we got to interpret our, our lives through the lens of the Bible. So the, the way to be angry and not sin is to agree with God about the situation. And you're not going to do that if his voice is silent in your life. So jump in. And I like how you said oftentimes is God's voice the loudest one in the room. Yeah, man. That has to be. And that's where, that's where the scripture is, right? It is, it is just pouring into us God's thoughts. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? That uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that other question we put on there. That's a that's a big one yeah. on a whole different subject. We should save that for another one. I agree. All right, cool. Well, listen, guys. Um, <laughs> if you uh, you can do a couple of things to support the podcast, which uh, is going to support the 
uh, World Hope Bible Institute in Latin America. So uh, go ahead and give us a follow if you haven't already. Share this episode with somebody that you think might uh, might benefit from it. And then if you haven't left us a review yet, go ahead and do that. Five stars if you think we earned it, and that kind of boosts it on the algorithm so that uh, you know um, so that we can essentially support the mission more. So there you go. Uh, none of this money stays with us. We're not pocketing any of this stuff. So you go ahead and support this and that'll support pastors in third world countries. And until then, I just want you guys to know that the world is a messed up place. Amen. Producer Tim. Amen. But we have a gospel. Oh man, we have a gospel that is perfectly suited to fix it. Ben worship. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of Grace and Truth Community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love Him because He first loved us.